Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. As Pastor Chip continues our series, Weighed in the Balances, we're turning to the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 to 12. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. All right, I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here at Garfield Memorial Church. I'm having so much fun today. I, I cannot tell you. I, I mean, guys, don't take for granted things. I think we take for granted. This band is nuts. Is it not crazy? I mean, good Lord. I mean, I, I want to wake up in heaven and have Justin and Leah and Dre and, and Vondra and Jess and, and Craig and, my gosh, Britain, um, just to usher us into a time of praise together. So, so glad you're worshiping with us. I haven't been here for two weeks. I haven't been here since Easter. Like, Easter happened, right? Like, it, it happened. And I was here. Um, since I've been gone, 12 new people joined Garfield Memorial Church. Isn't that cool? Like... We, we, we've had 20 people join this church during the pandemic. Uh, half of them never been here, like in person, isn't that? Yeah, what? Somebody's in the back, what? You know, yeah, it's crazy. I like, um, I'll join this church again. Sign me up. Um, I, I'm just so excited about what you guys are doing, what we're trying to do together to widen the circle to connect diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. If that isn't a mission for right now, right here, right in this world, I don't know what is. Um, and so we've been looking at measurements. Pastor Steve last week, he just killed it. Let's give it up for Pastor Steve, man. Come on. I mean, how, how cool is our church? Like, I, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I, I think I'm just a little uh, concierge or something. I don't know what it is. But I listened to Pastor Steve last week. We're, we're dealing with this message uh, series, Weighed in the Balance. And if you listened to Steve's message last week, he ended it with, let's walk 
this path together. Big, big uh, slide on the screen. Let's walk this path together. And I thought, if you build a path, if you build a road, if you build a street, what do you have to do? Tear down trees, get rid of the debris, right? Like, Pastor Steve just obliterated everything, <laughs> like with this conspiracy of compassion. Like, if we actually live that way, like how many trees, how much debris, how much of the mess of our society would just kind of go to the margins as, as we walk that out together? And so he laid this down. And, and this weight in the balances, let me tell you what this is not. This is not, um, anytime you hear weight, do you get a little nervous? Like, I hate to go to the doctor for one reason. Right? Like, I hate it. I don't want to get on the scale. I'm like Veruca Salt. Anybody remember Veruca? Anybody know that? Like the one true Willy Wonka movie? There's only one. I love Johnny Depp. Good in Pirates of the Caribbean. Really bad as Willy Wonka. Like there's some movies like they've been done. Like Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka. Come on. Come on, people. Yes. There's no... Like two people here are cheering. Like, I'm worried about you millennials. Um, you got to go back. Like, that, he, was, he did it. Like, there's no other. And Veruca Salt, remember all those kids with the golden ticket and they're trying to achieve? And she was the second one that fell out. And she was the daughter of a billionaire, right? And, and she was like, I want it now. Remember that song? I want it now. I want it right now. The geese that lay the golden eggs, Willy Wonka had them. Of course he did. He had everything. And remember those geese, they would lay the golden eggs and it would go into a scale. And if it was a good egg, the Oompa Loompas would take it into the chocolate factory. But if it was a bad egg, it would go, remember at the parking lot service, I had them beep for that. It was really good. Like you guys, you come on, give me a, oh, you guys are horrible. I, I honestly, I need a new paid crowd. Anyhow, but it was, you know, do that. And then it would, the egg would go down into the garbage disposal and Veruca gets up there and she, you know, she wants this school and she sings, I want it now on the scale. And it goes, bad egg down. She goes, that's how I think we hear weight in the balance. That's not what this is about. It isn't. God says to you, hear me on this. And this was the Easter message. This, you are accepted. You are loved. You're, you're, you're okay. Jesus Christ said, I, I've paid the price. It's finished. It isn't about do you measure up. It's about how are we doing on our journey? How are we doing walking this path together? To quote Pastor Steve. How are we doing on that? And that's all we're doing. Have you ever drive down the highway and you see those um, way stations? They have a sign, way station. That, you know, I used to be in construction industry. That's where the trucks go in and they measure up like what they're carrying, their cargo. That's all we're doing. We're just doing checkups. How are we doing? How, how are we doing carrying the busyness of life? together, right? And, and, you know, the things that weigh us down. How are we doing? That, that's what this series is about. And our vision team, who looked at our vision for the next three, five, and ten years, they came up with four measurements. Four. Like I said, Steve laid the groundwork. Now we're going to dig down in them. And I'm going to deal with today, the first one, which is love. And I'm going to deal today and next week. Like, I couldn't do love in one sermon. I, I was going to give you 50 minutes, 
but you guys would like throwing stuff at me. So I figured maybe I could do 225 minutes and you'll, you'll bear with me. Today is description. Next week is prescription. You hear me? You cool with that? I'm going to describe it. And then next week, prescribe it. How do we do it? Right? But the description of love, here's what our vision team said. All of us at Garfield Memorial Church, all of you watching with us online, all of you, wherever we are, we should ask ourselves this question. And I'm going to do a repeat after me, okay? Is that okay? Okay. Two people said yes. A um, hundred people said no. But that's okay. How am I loving my neighbor the way God loves them? See, you probably would like that if I say, how am I loving my neighbor? But when you throw that out the way God loves them, that ups the ante, doesn't it? Right? Pastor Scott preached for us on Monday, Thursday. People out there, you're online going, what is a Monday? I don't get it. It's the Thursday before Easter. It's where Jesus gave the mandate. The mandate, you know what his mandate was? Love one another the way I have loved you. Right? Like, this is, he said, and I love it. He said, this is my commandment. Like, Moses gave you 10, you flunked it. I'll give you one. I'll make it easy. Love one another the way I've loved you. And that's our measure. We want you asking in the next year at Garfield Memorial Church, how am I loving my neighbor the way God loves them? How am I doing on that? Uh, on my journey, right? How am I stopping into the way station and, and figuring that out? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stalling here because my laptop went bad. Um, no, how am I doing that? How's it going in this journey? Okay? And as we do that, I want to look at Paul. Um, Paul, who wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament. Um, it, it's funny, I was telling my wife... You know, we're going to look at Paul, like, about loving each other. She's like, he's kind of mean. Like, like Paul, usually, Paul's more Judge Judy than he is Oprah. Have you ever noticed that? Like, he's in your face, right? So why we turn to Paul? Why we turn to him? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redeem Paul a little bit for you. Paul's mission was about bridging division. I don't know if you realize this. Everybody says, well, Paul, you know, he was, he was just preaching Jesus and bringing people to the Lord. No, he was healing division. Paul was prejudiced. He was a bigot. He was a zealot. He was killing people in God's name. That's what he did, right? He, when Stephen was stoned, Paul was holding their coats like, go get them. He was, in fact, Acts chapter 8, if you read it, it said Paul was breathing violence. Breathing violence. Anybody see that today? You know, just kind of coming out of us, our pores, right? It's those people. Paul was a those people person. He was a January 6th person. He was, it's those people. Let me break down the gates, Right? And Jesus showed up in Acts 9, and he spoke to Paul. He said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Paul said to Jesus, I don't even know who you are. What do you mean? Who, who am I? He said, when you do it to your neighbors, when you, you know, do violence to others, you're doing it to me. Do, do we understand? 
The masks that God wears are the people sitting next to us. The, the, the people that God loves, the people that, they're the people that disagree with us. They vote different than us. They look different than us. Jesus says, there I am. And as you do it to them, you do it to me. And Paul was called to be the apostle to who? To the Gentiles. Now see, Jew and Gentile in today's day and age is way too tame. I mean, we talk about Jew and Gentile. Let me ask you this. If we did communion today, and there was a couple that comes right to the communion table, and, you know, dude's got on a MAGA hat and a Blue Lives Matter, and, you know, next to him is his spouse who has, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything. You, you pay attention to that, right? You just say, that's odd. <laughs> right? That's too tame for what Jew and Gentile meant. They were historic enemies. In fact, when Paul says God has torn down the dividing wall of hostility, it means historic enmity against, like when Paul, when Paul says God has broken down this wall, right? If, and, and God says to Paul, listen, I'm going to send you out to be the preacher of my word to the people you hate the most. Every day Paul woke up, he would have prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that you did not create me to be a a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. And God said, I'm going to make you the apostle to the Gentiles. I'm going to send you to the people that you're sure don't fit, are unclean, don't measure up, and you're going to go be a neighbor to them. This This is the radical God that we serve this is, this is God. And that's why Paul says in Romans 16, we're going to look at this. I'm, I'm looking at the book of Romans today. But Romans 16, he says, now to God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. Couldn't you imagine Chip Freed showing up in your church saying, I'm here to preach my gospel. You're ready for the Kool-Aid, right? Like, like that, who says this? My gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. My friend Mark DeMoz, I think, nails this where Paul was given a gospel. It was a good news. It was, it was a message. And the big G gospel, which is the proclamation of Jesus Christ, right? According to the revelation of the mystery, the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed. And Paul in Ephesians says what the mystery is. He says the mystery was made known. That is Gentiles, the people you hate have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through this big G gospel. The people you're sure don't measure up. They're your brother and sister too. That's what Paul learned. And so he became this ambassador uh, for, the, uh, for the gospel. And that's why I'm turning to Paul here in the description. I'll do prescription next week. Of, of, of who we're called to be. It, it, John Stott said, Paul, from the beginning to the end, is a peacemaker pouring oil in the troubled waters of the world. This is a guy breathing violence. This is a guy, sure, he's right. Everybody else is wrong. And Jesus Christ meets him and says, Paul, 
I want you to go out there and, and build bridges, not walls. I want you to go out there and bring people together and go out in this ministry, right? And do you remember Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13? Some of you know that. Even non-church people, you know, you're like, I don't like church, but you've heard it, right? The love chapter. Where do you hear that read? Weddings. Had nothing to do with marriage. I mean, it's, it's great to read it. Had marriages, but it had nothing to do with it. Paul did not write 1 Corinthians 13 about marriages. He wrote it about this. He wrote it about people divided, people who were broken. And he said, love is patient. Love is kind, right? Love uh, uh, is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love, it does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Like this is who he was speaking to us. He was speaking to our country right now. He was speaking to people who are fragmented. This wasn't just, you know, words for uh, spouses. This is words for a broken world. This is Paul, who learned to love people who were different than himself. And when you read the, the Romans, the book of Romans, it's Paul's, people call it his theological treatise. It's like his, his deepest theology. But read it understanding what he's writing about. In fact, Rome was the place that Jews and Gentiles were the most separated. In 49 AD, Rome sent an edict out expelling all the Jews from Rome, which, which include the Jewish Christians. And they left Rome. Five years later, they were allowed to come back. And guess what? The Jewish Christians came back. And guess who was running their church? The Gentiles. So you show up at church next week and... Pastor Scott's in charge, and that should, that should just tick you off. <laughs> right? Like, like no, who, those people? Right? No. And Paul said, this is how love operates in that kind of neighborhood. It's patient. It's kind. It's persevering. It goes the distance. This is what the letters are. And so when Paul said... Nothing can separate us. What can separate us? Remember Romans 8? From the love of God in Christ Jesus? Can, you know, height or depth or angels. You see what he's saying? He's saying, what can separate us from each other? What can do that? Nothing. In Christ Jesus. This is, this is his message. You got to read Romans again. Go back and look at all those things. He said, through one person's sin, Adam. You know, sin came in. But one person, Jesus. Notice he didn't say it's about Abraham, Jewish people. It's about Adam. We got a universal problem. It's called sin. It's called brokenness. We're breaking from one another. And then in Romans 13, what, what was read to you today, what Bill read to us, was saying what? He said, if you love your neighbor, you fulfill the law. Did you hear that? If you, you, know, if you love your neighbor, you, you, you fulfill all the Ten Commandments. Like, no, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Don't, you fulfill it. Right? Like, just do that. Like Jesus said in the upper room. Just do that. 
I, I love uh, Romans uh, 1.16. I've heard it at many, many um, revivals. Uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel, right? You've heard of this, right? It is the power of God for salvation. As church people, you've, you've been somewhere where you've heard that, right? I say Romans 1.16a. You know why a for us little exegetical scholars? Because it's a fragment. That's not the verse. The verse is this. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was writing saying we've got to get this thing together. We've got to get together. And in that Romans 13, sorry guys, I'm going to throw it back up there, where Paul, what Scott, Bill read earlier, owe no one anything. Look at that. Like, don't be in debt, is what it literally says. Like, everybody in politics right now is like, oh, the national debt is so bad. Do you notice each party puts us in debt and then they blame the other one? Anybody notice it? Like, really. Like, it's no problem putting in debt as long as you didn't, you know, it's the other people did it. We're all in debt. But Paul said, we got a bigger debt. We have a bigger debt in our society. We are bankrupting the world by not loving one another. For the one who loves, right? For the one who loves is building up the neighborhood, building up the community, building up, uh, you know, and it says all the commandments, right? Love your, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong. Everything is summed up in this. It's not that hard, right? I mean, we, we thought putting a piece of cloth on our face was like we were all going to die. Just love people, right? I'd stand on my head and put pins in my arms, if I, could, if I could love my neighbor, if I could help build them up. This is the equity of the world. This is the capital. This is the gold standard. That's what Paul learned. He thought he was following religion. He was zealous. I'll do this and this and this and this, and then God will love me. And he found out, you know what? If I just do this, accept one thing, one thing, love others the way God has loved me. Do you know what what kind of a different world that would make? Yes. Thank you. Thank God. An amen from a child. If you didn't hear that online, it was really good. Like this is this is what we do, right? This is the capital. This is the this is the currency in God's kingdom. Just all right, I'm going to get fired, but I'm going to say it. Love the hell out of people. <laughs> Think about what that says theologically. We put the love so deeply impenetrable in people, and Jesus said the gates of hell will not stand against that. If we incarnate it, if we pour it out, if we, you know, live it, as ourselves, right? And so let me, let, me, let me tell you. Let's model, I think, the best neighbor in the history of the United States. Who's the best neighbor in the history of the United States? Connie, you can't say. Oh, she, can't. she was here earlier. Fred Rogers. Yeah, yeah, the guy that sang, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Come on.
bring the team back up. <laughs> Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be? Thank good. Thank you. You know, he was just saying, let's be neighbors. I always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. I always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. Now, we know Fred Rogers was speaking to two and a half year olds to five year olds. How many of you know there's a child in all of us that needs to hear that? Right? I always, you know, they asked Fred Rogers, they said, um, What does it mean when you say people to be your neighbor? And here's what he wrote. He said, he says, an invitation for someone to come close to you and for you to come close to them. How many of you know neighbors is proximity? Like when, when the guy said to Jesus, what do I have to do to be saved? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. What was his question? Bible scholar. Who's my neighbor? Like, I don't even know. And Jesus took his worst ethnic enemy. Samaritans were called half-breeds by the Jews. They hated them. And he put a Samaritan in the story. He said, who was the neighbor? And the guy couldn't even say Samaritan. He said, the one who showed kindness. Right? Like he, he's taking us into a place to understand that the people we feel fo- most disenfranchised for, they are your neighbor. And you need to pour out your heart with them. Right? And Fred Rogers says, this is the invitation for somebody to come close to you. And you come close to them. It's proximity. Right? Everybody longs to be loved. Everybody longs to know that he or she is truly lovable. I, I don't know about you. Did anybody see the movie with Tom Hanks? <laughs> Clap if you did. Online too. Yeah. How many of you cried? Come on. Oh, two people. I, I bawled like a baby. I mean, like, right? And, and, and we looked at that movie, and it was a true story. It was a true story. Now, they, they changed the name. Um, they changed the guy's name to Lloyd Vogel, right? It wasn't Lloyd Vogel. It was a man named Tom Junod. Tom Junod was a reporter. He was a journalist for the Esquire magazine, and he was, he was a shock jock. He was one of those guys on TV. I know we don't see any of those who just try to stir stuff up, right? That was a joke. Like, you should have laughed at that. Okay, a few of you did. Um, it, like, they stirred things up. Tom Juno was that guy. He stirred stuff up. He wrote an article about Kevin Spacey, just totally uh, ruined him in Hollywood, said, no, we're not talking to you anymore. Tom Juno's career was in the tank. And he was going to, his editor said, you know, go do a story on Fred Rogers. Like, maybe it'll redeem you. But he said he went to do a story on Fred Rogers. Look at what he wrote. He said, I'm going to discover what the diabolical scheme is that he's pulling over on us to make us feel better about ourselves. That didn't hit you. Um, A diabolical scheme to feel better about ourselves, to be kind to others, aware that they might be having a bad day too. Like, he's like, this can't be real. People who do this can't be real. So he was going to out him. He was going to discover what's wrong with Fred Rogers. And Tom Giannode said, I went to find the man behind the mask. And guess what? There was no mask. This is who he was. This was the man. And, and he went in there to write this story. And if you watch the movie, his life was changed. Because this man loved him. 
In fact, he said people around him, Tom Juno wrote this, people around him said, don't let this guy interview you. But Fred, he said, Fred decided this is the guy that has to interview me because he's my neighbor and he's hurting. And I'm going to love him. And Tom Juno said when he saw the movie, he, you know, there was some embellishment. He said he, in New York, he had to go out and sit on a park bench and weep, remembering this man who loved me and set me free. Friends, that's our call. And, and how do we do that? We remember Jesus Christ came into our neighborhood, didn't he? Said the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Isaiah said, oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And he did. And he moved into our neighborhood. And he said, I always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I always wanted to be neighborhood with you. And he loved us. And that should make us today go sit on a park bench and remember that, that we were loved and set free. And then we go out and begin to love others in that kind of way. I got to show a little clip. I'm, I'm going to kind of close with this. Uh, Tom Hanks was asked about playing Mr. Rogers, and he said he learned some things. Let's look at this, and then I'll wrap it up. What is, what is his agenda? And the agenda is, was just nothing other than say, you're worthwhile, you're special, and anything you're going through, you can share with me. I Ooh. think that's divine. You know, um, I don't know if you occasionally get in arguments with the, uh, your partner in life, uh, but when my, my wife and I start going at it the way anybody goes at it, where she, someone says, you're not listening to me, and the other person, well, let me get this straight then. When we get to that point of you're not going to lose and I'm not going to lose because we're both right, uh, the words come out almost magically. Well, you know what, honey? It's good to talk. It's good to say the things we feel. It's good to talk. And it ends up being the great harmonizer because we have a right to feel bad. We, sometimes we feel bad. Sometimes we feel glad. And ain't that true for, for all of us? So there is a... Uh, You're doing Mr. Rogers. I Rita. Live, <laughs> I, I, I pulled Mr. Rogers out of my pocket every now and again because I think I might know him a little bit better than I, than I used to. But it's true. And this is a thing that you can't deny. Mm -hmm. It's, it actually is, that's kind of like a rule for living, as opposed to a zero-sum game on which I defeat you and I win. See, I, I want to let you know, I tried that with Terry. <laughs> no, I did. It, it really, well, like we were in a, that, that was back in Christmas, if you know that movie came out, and we were in an argument, and we were going up against it, and I got to that point, and I said, it's good to talk. It's good to say the things you feel. And it worked. Now, I'm going to tell you, it works like twice. <laughs> like the third time I started, she's like, if you sing that song again, I'm going, you know. So, but why does it work? Because love your neighbor sums it up. Like this is the bottom line. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't demand its own way. Paul came. I want you, that's why I had to rub your face in Paul a little bit. This was the last guy who would say that. But he learned that loving your neighbor sums up all of the law. Can we do that? 
How am I loving my neighbor the way that God loves them? I hope that question haunts you until next Sunday. And I'll give you a few practices to apply that. Amen?